welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. So I gotta be honest, this week has been rough. And even just in the last 30 minutes of trying to record this, I've gone back and probably deleted three recordings so far because I just really do not have the words. And every time I say something, I feel like the words are not right. They don't fit. They don't work. But for those of you that don't know, last week... My dear friend Kathy and her whole family suffered just a devastating loss. Their son Jared Escobar took his own life. And there are not people in this world, I think, that have loved me quite in the way that they have loved me. And... Not just the way that they lo- they've loved me, but that they've loved my children. And for me, as somebody that's gone through the loss of my own parents, not through death, but through trauma and the inability to look at trauma, just when people show up for me, it's a, it's a huge deal. And so, thanks to some people that knew how much it would mean to me, just people generously gave. I didn't ask for help to get to Colorado. I didn't ask for help for my son Zion to be able to go. And people just gave me money to get there. And it was a huge... It was a huge gift because... You know, I didn't have to worry about missing work. I didn't have to worry about how it would affect my family in the future. I just could show up and be present. And I have yet to experience a memorial that was that beautiful and raw. And there, yeah, again, there really aren't words. Everything echoed how Jared would would have wanted it. There were fire pits outside and blankets everywhere and a tent set up so that people could, the overflow could sit in front of campfires and talk and smell like wood smoke because he loved the outdoors. And as somebody who loved the outdoors, like me, it just, there was one point that Zion and I went outside just to sit by the fire so that we could breathe in the smoke and just, I guess, center. So it's been a difficult week and I think one of the things that I think about in times like this is You know, when the loss is not your own, but you feel loss for the people who are experiencing it in real time, it's happening to them. It is their child or their brother or their grandparents, Um, but you're a friend who also saw 
that boy grow up and become just an incredibly beautiful man. So creative, so loving. Um, I think there's this thing that I have, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, where you think it's almost like you don't have a right to grieve because it's not your grief. And I think that that's real, and I think that it's probably a good idea to pay attention to that. But one of the things to also pay attention to is that you have a right to feel. There's a combination of real things happening. There is the real grief of everybody that is first person connected and then extended family. There is also the grief of people feeling the love they have for somebody. It's, it's hard to explain. So today I went on a run. I've been like, I've been in and out of grief. It's been hitting me like a, a wave, wave after wave after wave. So last night I made some medicine. I've been wanting to make some fire cider. I've never made it before. My friend Kelly Hall had given me some and it was a reminder to me of I want to make this so you can look up what fire cider is or maybe I'll put a link to it in this podcast. Um, and then when I was in Colorado, I wanted to make some juniper oil and I knew that juniper, that's my dogs, <laughs> I knew that juniper grew in Colorado. It grows usually in higher altitudes. But the thing about juniper, it's a, it's a healing property. When I was grieving about my own thing, a couple of years ago I was in Montana and I was on a run and I kept passing these bushes with berries on them. And so I looked it up and I looked up juniper and I was like, oh, this has so many healing properties to it. And so I collected a bunch, and yes, I did put it in my bag and put it on the airplane. And then I made juniper oil, and it just, it's incredible. Like, you can put it on your belly if you have cramps or stomach irritation. My friends, I made her some, and... She had a friend that broke a toe, and they immediately put it on the person's toe, and within 15 minutes, the pain was gone. So it has some amazing things attached to it. Um, so I was just feeling like, what could I do? I don't... I don't know what it is, but... I am really attracted to symbolism. I 
think that's the word, or maybe it's creating a ritual around something. But when I was in Colorado last weekend, I just kept thinking, I gotta find some juniper. I, I hadn't thought about it before I left. So I gotta find some juniper. I'm gonna come home and I'm gonna make some more juniper oil and I'm gonna give it to Kathy and I'm gonna give it to different people that are in grief right now. And I'd like to say <laughs> that it's for them, but like so many things that we do, it is really about us. So yes, it's gonna make people feel better to some degree, for sure. But really, it's about me creating something beautiful out of something painful. It's almost like I can't help myself. <laughs> I have to do something. And so that's what I did last night. I made the fire cider, took, took a while, you know, just chopping up the vegetables and the peppers and the turmeric and... You know, it smelled amazing in my kitchen. And then taking a little break to connect with my family. And then washing the juniper, pulling off the berries and drying it. And then putting it in jars with the avocado oil. Just my whole house smelled like juniper. And it just felt like, again, it's like that. I've talked about it in other podcasts. It's like, not only is it a ritual... Not only is there symbolism in there, but there's a rhythm too. And I was giving myself something. But towards the end of the making of the juniper oil, I just, I got grouchy. And I was trying to put my finger on it and I couldn't really figure out what it was. And so I was talking to my husband before I went to bed and I just said, yeah, just a wave of grouchiness came over me and I'm not really sure why. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at Brennan. And he said, you know, sometimes grief shows up for him as anger. And I am aware of that. It's just not typical for me. So I just kind of sat with it. And um, I did some tonglen which is the Buddhist practice of taking in others' pain or grief or, you know, there's unanswered questions for the Escobars that they will never get answered. So taking in that, you know, that unknowing and then releasing out peace or, I don't, I don't even know. So I think that's also the problem with prayer or any kind of prayer, prayer type practice. The attitude of Tonglen is an attitude of prayer. And I think that the problem with it is we don't always know what to say or what to do. And sometimes it's just the quiet agony of not knowing 
not knowing what to say, but holding that space, that tension space of not knowing. And I like to do something so those spaces can be really difficult for me, but I really try to lean in at least for a little while, at least for an acknowledgement of that. So when I was sleeping last night, it was troubled dreams all night long. So today has been kind of like, I had an archery workshop this morning. There was a lot of things that came up that I had to work with. So it was good in a way because my normal way of doing it, I had to kind of go on the fly. And it still turned out great. I was in the moment. But by the time I was done and had done all the photos and videos, I had a lot of pent-up energy. And for me... This is where I'm going back to the run. I just knew I needed to go on a run. I needed to get out that pent-up energy. And for me also, again, it's that rhythm. When I get into that rhythm, it does help me let my mind go to other places. And so I ran and I let my thoughts go and I cried and I looked at the beauty of nature because it is exploding in color in Portland right now. It's just, there aren't words to describe the color of the leaves and the sky and the crispness in the air and it's, it is so beautiful that I let that beauty wash over me. There, there was even one part in the run where I was like, man, it's beautiful. Almost like I'm letting it into my skin. And then there was a point where I thought about the grief again, and I thought, I'm going to let it into my skin. And I heard this thing on um, NPR a couple days ago about how the brain washes itself as you sleep at night and how important it is for the brain to have these like washing cycles to clear out, you know, the whatever's in the brain. I don't know what it is. Um, but I thought about it in the body that if I can bear it to just let that grief wash over me, but also, and I don't know how to put this into words, but like hold the pain of my friends and then extend out the mercy, the tenderness, the peace, whatever I can push out to them and hold a little of that grief. I, I hope that makes sense because it's still kind of, there aren't really words for it that I have. But I wanted to just talk about how the aftermath of a tragedy, for the most part, people are really good at showing up and, you know, 
doing the cooking and the cleaning and the driving and the arranging and anything. The hard part is a month or so later, six months later, a year later. The grief is still there. It's still acute. They haven't gotten over it. But like I said last podcast, you know, there isn't a timeline for grief. So that's all I really wanted to say this week is pay attention to yourself. What are you feeling? Sometimes feelings are hard. I I did a little video this week just kind of reminding people to kind of try to be kind to themselves in their grief and feel it. And then my friend had said, what happens when you want to feel it? Because her dad passed away a little while ago. What happens when you want to feel it and you just can't? And I think that's probably just as hard, if not harder, than the overwhelming waves of emotion. Because sometimes the body just will not do it. You know, maybe... Maybe we don't feel safe enough. And I don't mean, like, we are unsafe. I just mean sometimes, for certain people, or certain people at different times... It is difficult to feel safe to feel whatever we need to feel. To let that down. You know, if you're a parent and you're constantly, you know, on duty with children. And to some degree, you know, there is some shielding for children to not be overwhelmed by our emotions. They can see our emotions absolutely, and we can explain that we're just sad like they get sad. But, you know, sometimes we just want to be in a private place. Sometimes we just want to be in that special spot that was special just between us and them. And we can't always get there. And I don't think we have to manufacture things, but sometimes if we watch a movie that was familiar between us that might help us unlock some of that pain that we feel is kind of trapped in there, that grief that's kind of trapped in there. Sometimes if we go, like I said, to a special special place or watch a special movie or listen to a special song or read something, to help unlock those emotions. I know there's this thing that Clarissa Picola Estes says in The Women That Run With Wolves that I'm definitely not going to do it justice, but she talks about grief lifting the boat. I think it's the boat of who we are, so grief and tears lift the boat of who we are and help us get back out to sea. It's like we need that movement. We need that... I don't know. There's something about it that I think grounds us down into our humanity. It reminds us that we are not robotic. That we 
are human. We are flesh and blood. We are breathing beings. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Because the world we live in likes us to be robotic, likes us to be yes people, likes us to do what we're supposed to do. And I think grief takes all of that off the table. And we are not allowed to be as robotic. So I'm not going to spend all of my podcasts from now on talking about grief, but it is something universally human. I don't even think it's just universally human. I mean, elephants grieve. Somebody just told me today that crows grieve the loss of their young. I mean, so beautiful. It is something that everybody does, including animals. And it's something that we need to give space for, for others and for ourselves. And that can look different for every person. But it is so important. So if you are struggling to feel whatever you need to feel, Grief, loss, it can come out as anger, it can come out as fear, it can come out as rage. You know, like I said, with a candle creating a ritual, maybe you could create a tiny ritual in your day, whether that's you get up 15 minutes early and you take a morning walk around the block and you just breathe. Just breathe in and out, breathing. Or before you go to bed, you do the same thing. You take a 15-minute walk around the block, or shorter. It doesn't matter how long. It's the breathing and the being in your body and out in the world, you know, in nature, whether you have nature around you or not, you know, whether you're in the city or in the country. Maybe it's you take your cat or your dog or your bunny, whatever you have, a pillow <laughs> and you hold and cuddle that and you speak your truth to that I think it is important for there to be symbolism that helps us know we're not alone and I think if we create these tangible things that we can do, it ties us back to the human family, the human family of grief, the human family of connection, the human family of we're all the same, basically. So I think what I want to leave you with is I want to leave you with a little meditation. And so that's what I'm going to do. I want you to start by getting comfortable. Either sit with your legs crossed, back relatively straight, sit on your a chair or the couch, 
lay down on your bed, but be comfortable. Just be comfortable in your body. And as you get comfortable, let the tension in your muscles kind of relax. So if you're in that position, one of the things that I like to do is either put my hand on my chest, because that's, for me, that's a really special spot. So some people like to put their hand on their belly. Some people like to put their hands on their thighs or with their hands facing up. Whatever it is that kind of helps you ground down into yourself, do that. Okay. Now, as you relax into your body, I want you to take a deep breath through your nose and out your mouth. As you breathe in and out, I want you to hold that grief. Place it either on your chest, hold it in your belly, or open your hands for it. And keep breathing in and out, in and out. See that grief? Do you feel that loss? Don't be afraid to look at it with your mind's eye. It's just there. It's just a part of who you are. And as you hold that grief and you acknowledge it, try to not be afraid of it. Breathe in and out. Grief has something to tell you. I don't know what it is, but it has something to tell you. It has something to show you. And if you take your, the t your time to familiarize yourself with it, it will show you. It will tell you. Often we look at grief as an enemy, but we can look at grief maybe not as a friend, for some of us maybe, but as a companion, as a gift to let the pain out. You can ask grief what it has to show you.
what do you have to show me? Brush it. Take as long as you need. And once you have your answer, or at least you have a rapport, because you can return to it any at any time. You can go back to this meditation, and you can ask it again. Grief. What do you have to show me? And when you finish, when you feel like you're done, when you feel like you've heard what you needed to hear, take a few more deep breaths. And return the room and open your eyes. The thing I love about meditation is you can go back to it at any time. You can extend it. You can add your own words to it. I, I make up my own meditations all the time because often there's something specific that I'm working on so I can give myself the space to put words or no words to the feeling and through meditation and just being centered down in myself often often I, if I don't get an answer because that's not really what I'm doing it for I do experience peace and that's what I want for all of you I want you to have peace now peace is not the absence of grief or the absence of fear, or the, well, <laughs> I think you can have them simultaneously. You know what I mean. It's just peace is holding us, and I want you to be held right now. This isn't going to be for everybody, but those of you that are listening that it's for, know it's for you. So I want you to be held and I want you to feel like this is a place where you can experience whatever you need to experience. And it's okay and it's safe. Please be kind to yourself. And don't forget to remember who you are. And I'll be back next week. And it'll be different. And we'll be in a different place. You are worth knowing you are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. I'll see you next week. Bye.